0: Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Linode and Eero. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I am a senior video producer at polygon.com. And I'm joined today by Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress in the state Woo. of Massachusetts.
1: The the Commonwealth, the
0: Commonwealth. Commonwealth. I'm so sorry. I always get that wrong. <laughs> can can I go over something really quick with you guys before we start talking? Yes. Yeah. I was I was researching bears and course, how to evade as you do. bears as yeah. one does. Can I really quickly go over with you the ways to evade different kinds of bears?
2: Please do, Dwight Schrute. Please do. Okay.
0: Good. Thank you. Thank you for listening. So, brown bear, pepper spray. Don't run. Tuck and cover and play dead. Makes sense? <laughs> okay. Okay. That's what this website says. Black bear. Pepper spray. Stay grounded, get big, and be
2: loud because you can scare them away. How does that sound?
1: Uh, um,
2: <laughs> I, I I don't know if I would, I, I mean, I guess stay loud and run. Okay. Is that what they're basically saying? Okay, yeah. I guess. So All right. pol- polar bear. Bear
0: pepper spray. Fight like Jon Snow. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> It says, (laughs) this is the specific advice for how to deal with a polar bear, bear pepper spray, just like you would do with the other kinds of bears. But then you fight like Jon Snow. And I will quote here, with the help from the Lord of Light, Jon Snow fought like a literal god in the Battle of the Bastards episode of Game of Thrones. Um, And that's what you need to do when you face a polar bear.
1: Okay. So that's good to know.
0: Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad that we had this out. Now, Christina will be able to survive in Sweden. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Christina, there's a bear behind
0: you. No, no, no. Uh, We have a really exciting episode this week. Uh, We are going to cover the Rocket Rule subject of last week, which is (laughs) Samsung's phone. We'll get into it. Uh, And then we have a very exciting interview with Anna Merlin, whose new book on conspiracy theories, Republic of Lies. Is out now. You'll hear about that. And finally, uh, it's the Game Boy's 30th anniversary, and that's awesome, and we're all old. That's horrifying. <laughs> I actually, it's not awesome at all. I take it back. <sighs>
2: Simone finally feels old for once I have one of these things. It's finally <laughs> happened. Yes, as soon I'm as so it excited. came out of
0: my mouth, it just struck me, this feeling of deep mortality.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 welcome to our lives. Aye, we're, we're glad yeah, you're here. Yeah. We're glad you're here. Thanks, guys.
0: It
1: just means you have to live... For every moment, Simone, like you don't do now, I have so, to fight
0: like Jon Snow to survive. Got
1: to every second.
0: <laughs> all right. So okay, I was gone last week. I was in L.A. and I hear that you guys talked about Samsung's cool new phone. That, yeah, <laughs> we were so <laughs> and stoked nothing about it.
2: Happened after it. Yes, and nothing. I mean, it, all the reviews were great. Everybody was in love with it. None of them came apart. Yeah, nobody. Like, nobody everything was nobody's great.
0: Tech products have been recalled indefinitely. <laughs> so the rocket rule, oh, i will going to talk about get getting excited about things later on this podcast, but the rocket <laughs> rule is not a conspiracy. <laughs> the rocket rule is truth. And I will reiterate it for you now. Once we record an episode of rocket, something will happen that will make that episode be either outdated or the biggest news of the week will break and we'll have to wait a week to talk about it that is the rocket rule it's just that is the story
2: yeah and and this was literally one of those where because we recorded early we recorded on a monday and uh and the episode came out on thursday and so the episode came out after all this other stuff had happened and we were like it was so frustrating because we were like we can't go back and fix this the rocket rule literally hit on wednesday like it was so bad Uh. (sighs) oh It's, I'm so
0: sorry, but now we're going to, we're going to redo it all. We're going to erase. We're going
2: to correct it. No, but I'm, but I'm honestly, it's better because we were, you know, in thinking about it, like, even though I've said, I'm not going to buy this thing. Um, I think we have all been concerned that I might go out and buy this thing (laughs) and I can now definitively say under no circumstances, Fates. Will I buy this phone? Intervene <laughs> intervened <laughs> like, to save Christina's so, wallet. Yeah, seriously. So, so uh, yeah, what the, happened was
0: uh, some so what reviewers, happened was, people who had review units of Samsung's Fold phone, which was, again, due to come out on the market for purchase for $1,980 uh, next month. It's supposed to be out on Friday. No, no, it's supposed to be out this, oh, week. this week. It's supposed to be out Friday, yes. Oh, my God, even worse. Uh, they, they found that there was a layer of protective plastic on the screen of the folding phone. When it was unfolded, there was a layer of plastic there. And perhaps people thought, oh, this is nice. A beautiful layer of plastic to peel off my expensive device. We all know that that's one of the most satisfying feelings in the universe. Oh, yeah. Turns out that layer of plastic, as Joanna Stern helpfully explained in a Wall Street Journal video, was attached to the plastic screen. And those layers of plastic bonded together. Um... They were meant to be that they needed to be that way. So when people peeled off the layer, which was not in any, any way indicated to be a protective layer that needed to be there for the phone to function, they found that their phones were having problems where you know the screens would flicker on and off. Uh they would de- the two screens would halves of the screen would desynchronize sometimes. Basically, the phone became completely unusable. <laughs>
1: Which just, just a very quick fact check it was there. It was just one of those notices that you would never notice opening the box. Like it was there. Right. It was what's it like in some corner or something? Like I don't even know. In some of the boxes, they weren't there at all. Oh, okay. Like, okay.
2: So, so, so I think like T Mobile had said that on theirs, there is a notation, but they didn't get T Mobile devices. They got like unlocked like international devices that didn't have anything. And it might have oh. been inside you know, a manual, it might have said, don't take off this layer, but it was certainly not clear. And it certainly wasn't one of those things that was like inside the box where you wouldn't have to go through a bunch of stuff. And I mean, I think also it should be worth noting that, you know, when you looked at it, like, I don't know if I would have peeled it off, but I would have probably started trying. It would have been one of those things where I would have started trying to peel it off. And then I would have been like, oh crap, like, what have I done? Like, so yeah, what Joanna it, it's, it's, Stern
0: covers in the video I watched on Wall Street Journal is she like started to pick at it a little bit, but didn't peel it off. And Samsung saw that in a photo, and they were like, "Yeah, we're sending They're you like, a whoa. new phone right now." And I don't, I don't believe that they explained it to her at all. They were
2: just like, "Here, new, new review unit, take it." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, like like she shows herself like talking to them like while she's doing the <laughs> the, the, the video. Yeah, no, I'm I'm I uh, and and but but the thing is is that that wasn't even. Like, all of them, like, some of them um, had, a, you know, like, like Dieter didn't do anything to take his off. Steve Kovac mm-hmm. of CNBC didn't do anything to take his off. Uh, and they still had, like, massive flickering, you know, massive issues. Um, and so something's going on. And, and from what Samsung has said and from what other people have kind of, uh, you know, kind of alluded to from what they can tell is that because the screen is plastic and not glass because they they needed – you know, something for, I guess, some of the durability or some of the other things, um, they had to put a plastic layer on top of it to kind of protect things and, and keep all the electronics working the way that they should. And if you remove that layer, that polymer kind of, you know, top thing, then everything like falls apart. Yeah. Which is a little bit concerning. I mean, you know, we, we've we been talking about, you know, historically before that this is a phone that's really exciting. Like this new form factor has a lot of potential we are really excited about what this could mean for the future, but it also feels a little bit like a prototype. And then I was shocked that it came out so quickly and that people seem to like it. But then this news comes out and you're like, oh no, this is still very much a prototype that they're Mm -hmm. selling for $2,000 to early adopters, which, you know, um, I don't love. I mean, I think that you could, you could like, you could spin this and be like, look, this is the first of its kind, and you're going to be the coolest hype beast on the planet if you have this thing. <laughs> but do not did you expect hype beast. I sure I did. Love
1: that. I love it. But
2: but 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 do not expect you know this to be like the most durable whatever thing in the world. This is a prototype. This is whatever. Hell, you could sell it as a prototype, and I bet people would still buy it. Maybe not as many, but mm-hmm. people would still buy it. But when you're going to sell this for two grand and then on payment plans and get it into carrier stores and make like a big push, mm-hmm. dude, dude, it's your not a phone good should look. Work. No, it's not. There's it's another
0: not. thing from Dieter's review. So aside from like the larger screen problem one of the things he points out is that because the plastic screen is so soft, his review unit has what he calls a, a dimple. In one spot, mm-hmm. and then it also picked up a bunch of little scratches over the few yep. days that he used it. That didn't affect, I think, usability. But it's, they just said that's something that happens because of the softness of the screen. It will. I, they got Samsung got back to him with a statement that they said the protective layer is susceptible to blemishes and marks in certain circumstances. Which to me, I I know every phone gets those kinds of scratches and things, but. To me, having a material that is particularly susceptible to that kind of thing that I'm paying $2,000 for that won't continue to look, like, pristine, that that's kind of – that's a bummer to me.
2: No, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, and, and it's kind of like – it reminds me of, like – Back in like the BlackBerry day and like the Trio day, like when we had plastic like phones with plastic screens, you know, and that was a common thing. And now, like we have glass screens, and I get mad when I have because I have a couple of uh, I guess marks on my iPhone um, XS Max, um, and and it 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 bothers me. I won't lie. Like mm-hmm. I look down on it, and I'm like I don't like having this, you know, uh, very you know fine, you know, like scratch that I can see only in certain light so but like that would really bother me if i got this beautiful kind of big device that every time i open it i'm seeing dimples or scratches or other things mm-hmm. um it'll be interesting to see what the huawei uh phone is like because they're taking a slightly different approach whereas theirs folds back rather than folding forwards
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and and so you have like the you know um so some people have said that it doesn't maybe look as as good but it might work better because of whatever technology they're they're using so i'm curious to see how samsung's plans now impact huawei not that we'll actually see the huawei phone sold in the u.s but people will import it for sure um but yeah i mean it, it this is stunning so so this happens last week you know with the, the the breaks it's still supposed to come out this week everybody's saying like oh no it's fine then they delayed the hong kong launch And and tried to blame it on like venue changes, and then like literally right before we started recording the show, Samsung said that they they're delaying the launch indefinitely, and that it'll they'll be announcing a new date in the coming weeks. Which
1: I mean, I don't know much for
2: them. Oh yeah, I mean this has to be terrible. They have all I can't even imagine how much you know stuff they have ready for this. But at the same time, as much as it sucks for them and I feel for the employees and whatnot, part of me kind of wonders, it's like, okay, but what did you think was yeah. going to happen? Yeah. Like, like, dug what did Well, because like your QA process had to show this stuff. Like it had to. And the, just the fact that you went from – I mean, in, in retrospect, this makes sense because I was saying all this stuff last week. I was like, oh, it's really impressive that two mo- that three months ago you, we couldn't even touch it and now it's ready to go. Well, no, Christina, you're an idiot because obviously if you couldn't touch it three months ago, it's not going to be ready to go now. That's just not how this works. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah,
1: I, I do want to say like this is what really surprises me about this. This wasn't just another phone release for Samsung. Like this is something they've put a lot of uh, PR into. It's really widely considered to be a flagship product for Samsung. They've been working with curved displays forever. They've been taking their like fold-in-half screens to CES for years now. This was like I won't say this was like iPhone 10, like for Samsung, but it was it's close. And after explode gate you would think that samsung would have processes in 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 place that like if this screen can be damaged that easily when like pe- peeling off tape you would really think they would have their packaging like so carefully designed to like tell that to consumer you'd think they'd be telling that to journalists ahead of time and what's really apparent is, you know, the, the leadership probably started looking into this and they're like, oh, this is a congenital problem with this device. This isn't a quick fix. We're going to need to do something like more substantive here. I'm just, I, uh, Christina, I'm legitimately shocked this happened after explode gate am i am i wrong for that no i mean look i
2: yeah look I, after the phone's blew up and they recovered though part of me wonders if you just had a certain point if you if you're like look we could blow the phone up and we can still sell this line under this name and oh, no. can still buy this phone maybe we we can maybe we can still just maybe it'll work out i'm um i'm rereading so bbm the the classic you know like you know messaging service of your Uh, The consumer version is officially shutting down at the end of May, RIP. Um, And uh, so that has me rereading um, this great book called uh, Losing the Signal, which is about the rise and fall of uh, uh, Research in Motion or the company behind BlackBerry. And I'd forgotten, like, it's interesting some of the parallels because BlackBerry had this device in 2009 called the Storm that was supposed to be their anti-iPhone. And it was a, or 2008, I guess. And it came out like a year after the iPhone and it had this touch screen that you would press down on. So you get like a click when you would type on it like a regular BlackBerry, but it was a touch screen and Verizon like basically pressured them into getting it done because Verizon needed an iPhone killer and they put it out without it being ready and wound up having to basically, basically almost all of them were returned and they ended up having to, you know, pay like, I mean, you know, it was a massively costly expense and then, you know, soured Verizon on on, um, uh, BlackBerry and is one of the reasons why Verizon partnered with uh, Motorola for the Droid, the first really big Android phone and all kinds of other things. And it was just interesting to me kind of looking at these parallels where it's like people feeling like we've got to get this out. We have this timetable. We have people on Mm -hmm. our backs. Huawei is... Maybe Huawei is doing this foldable thing, and we, we need to have our next big thing. You know, this is and, our
0: fault for talking about how phones are boring now.
2: No, it's <laughs> not, because phones are boring now. But, like, you can just wait to surprise us, because the thing is, we're going to be bored for a while. So just wait until yeah. we're ready and, like, make it worth our while. I don't you know, know.
0: I got to say, I'm still really excited about our foldable future.
2: I, yep. am, too. Honestly, I am, too. I think it made me more excited. In a
0: way, because the, the good things that were said about the phones, I liked them. They made like Dieter was talking about the experience of using it and how thrilling it was. And I was like, damn, OK, I know Like, I want it to work. I, I'm not going to accept less than functional, of course. But it did make me excited to see what, say, Xiaomi or Huawei are going to do. And maybe not. We'll see, Samsung, you're on my my pool list now. Uh, but, you know. The future. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Linode. It doesn't matter if you're working on your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode are the folk to go to. They offer the fastest hardware and network with outstanding customer support if you ever need help. It's also super easy to launch a Linode Cloud server, and their block storage is available in Newark, Fremont, Dallas, Atlanta, Frankfurt, London and Singapore, and it'll soon be released in Tokyo. Version Woo-hoo. 4 of Linode's RESTful API is out of beta and includes an officially supported Python CLI. And right now, Linode are hiring. If you want to learn more and check out what they're looking for, you can go to linode.com careers, L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash careers. But if you're interested in their server prices guess what? They have pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at 1 gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode have a special offer for you. As a listener of Rocket, you can go to linode.com rocket and use the promo code ROCKET2019 to get $20 toward any Linode plan. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash rockets and the promo code rocket name is podcast 2019 so on the one gigabyte of ram plan that's four free months and with a seven-day money-back guarantee you have basically nothing to lose give linode a try today that's linode.com slash rocket and the promo code rocket 2019 to learn more sign up and make the most of that 20 dollar credit our thanks to linode for sponsoring rocket and relay fm Welcome back, everyone. I'm going to toss things over to Bree to introduce our very special guest today that I'm super excited about.
1: So we've been covering a lot of books on Rocket lately, and I saw this one, and I instantly reached out to our next guest and said, you've got to come on. I'm really interested in talking about this. Anna Merlin, is uh, what's your ranking, Jezebel? Are you a senior editor there? Um, what is your official a- title?
3: I'm a senior reporter at the Special Projects desk at Gizmodo Media, so I'm not at Jezebel anymore. I'm in this weird (laughs) interstitial unit that's like four or five of us, and we kind of float around and do stories for all the sites.
1: So it's generally, (laughs) though, like investigative big pieces, right? Yeah, we
3: do investigative enterprise features. We do longer things, things that take longer. We're very lucky.
1: Well, enterprise reporter for Cosmoto Media mm. uh, and a longtime writer for Jezebel. Anna does, in my opinion, some of the absolute best investigative work in our field. She's broken tons of stories. Anytime you write a story, I'm there. I know it's going to be worth my time. And you wrote an entire book. It's called Republic of Lies. Mm. And what, what I really loved about this book is... When someone comes along and they give you an entirely new paradigm by which to think through problems with, that's very, very helpful. And before I started this book, I did not think conspiracy theories were a major variable in why politics in the United States is broken. And now that I've finished it, I feel like it's probably in the top five. Uh, its It's a hugely important thing, so I guess starting out like tell our listeners like why did you write this book? What kind of piqued your interest? why why cover this subject?
3: So I had always been sort of interested in conspiracy theories and alternative belief systems. You know, I worked in Dallas for a while and covered you know like there's a big group of nine eleven truthers there. Uh, things like that. But what really got me going on the book was I went on a cruise for conspiracy theorists in 2016 uh, in January and wrote about it for Jezebel. And while I was on the cruise, people were very excited about Trump um, and really saw him as you know, a truth teller and somebody who was going to f- uh, blow open a system they believed to be broken and sort of spill every secret Um, And I thought, you know, it's really interesting that he's reviving this energy among people in kind of the deep end of the conspiracy pool. You know, what's going to happen when he loses? And then, of course, he didn't. Um, And I started thinking that maybe I didn't understand as well as I could the sort of place of these very, like, um, deeply embedded conspiracy consumers in American life and American politics. So partly, I just wanted to spend more time around these people and understand more about uh, what made them believe what they believe, and I also wanted to look more at the role of conspiracy theories in America and understanding the way that actual government conspiracies has kind of led us to this place of almost like permanent suspicion. So that's that's what led me to spend, you know, a couple years uh, hanging out with these folks.
2: That was what was so interesting to me about your book was that I. I have been obsessed with kind of conspiracy theories and subcultures and uh, weirder, like like people that people don't write about a lot. Like, I love nothing more than like a good subculture. So some of the stuff that you wrote about, I was familiar with. But when you just kind of Mm -hmm. in the second chapter are going through the list of all of the actual conspiracies that things that the government has actually done, you know, it becomes kind of striking and you do kind of realize, oh, there is not like fake basis for people to believe things that are seem patently ridiculous on its face. Um, How much of that were you aware of before you went into into writing the book? And how much were you surprised by anything that you found out about what has actually occurred in the past? um, What what you know, what people actually what people now, you know, adhere to believe, which which we know to be untrue?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. So obviously, you know, I'm a lefty in good standing. So I was aware of, you know, the FBI and the CIA and COINTELPRO and stuff like that. Um, but what that, that chapter is primarily about conspiracy theories in Black America because they are uh, unique. Conspiracy theories among Black Americans are a little bit different and they are very much rooted in history. They're very much rooted in actual events. So the thing that made me think that that needed to be a breakout chapter was that my brother, who lives in New Orleans, mentioned that a lot of folks down there believe that the levees were deliberately blown up during Katrina to drown poor black parts of the city. And I thought, you know, not only do I have I never heard of this conspiracy theory before, but I don't understand where it came from. And then, of course, it turned out it came from an actual historical event in 1927 during the Great Mississippi Flood when the levees were, in, flat, in fact, blown up deliberately, not in New Orleans, but south of the city, with the logic that drowning these low-lying areas was better than flooding the city. So it was the the first sort of example that I was really highly engaged in where it was something that I had not heard about before at all. That was very much driving people's thinking and their relationship with the government. And so between that and sort of actual medical conspiracies, giving way to conspiracy theories about the medical system, that chapter kind of built itself pretty quickly. um, And made me sort of think a lot more about how conspiracy theories allow people to see the world and understand what's happening to them.
1: So, uh, um, I mean on that note like what what are, what is the the basis like what is the big your big takeaway that you got as far as what the average person out there that doesn't believe in conspiracy theories what do they need to be aware of with this cuz you went to some really interesting research like people that believe in uh conspiracy theories it, it tends to be something you have a predisposition towards. Yeah. Uh, like, what what is the average takeaway that you would, you would tell people about?
3: Well, so the average American does believe in conspiracy theories. Like, we know that 50% or, like, one in three believe in some kind of conspiracy theory. A lot of them are really sort of common. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, a belief that the government is hiding what they know about aliens. On the right, a belief that the government is going to take away your guns through some kind of secret program or, like, a forced gun roundup. Uh, even the belief that Barack Obama was born in Kenya, you know, like that is more common than it should be. So I think one thing is understanding that conspiracy theories are, are a lot more common than we believe them to be in America. And the second is understanding how many of them grow out of like a real disaffection and disenfranchisement with systems that don't work well. There are so many conspiracy theories about the federal government, about the medical system, about the tax system. Because those things are not transparent, they're really opaque, they're really hard for people to understand. A lot of people feel very locked out of those systems. So to understand where they come from and to understand that conspiracy theories recur in America over and over in times of social change and social upheaval. So to expect those when, yeah. when we're in the, that moment.
1: So one of the things that uh, did surprise me a bit about your book um, is I kept waiting for you to kind of get more into what's going on with Facebook and Twitter mm-hmm. because I think I think tech has it's a really big it's a really big vector for. Sp- for spreading these things oh, yeah. and where, yeah. You know, when I was growing up, you would have to go to, yeah, you know, the, the supermarket tree about Bat Boy. Now you get Bat Boy all day long on your, yeah. on your phone. It's kind of the equivalent of that. I, I do have to say, I was a little, um, I kept hoping you were going to give us like a ray of hope about how yeah. we tackle these things mm-hmm. in tech. And that, that, that wasn't there, so yeah, no, I guess
0: free. Is there yeah. no way of <laughs>
1: Well, that's I, so I wanted to ask you. Like you, you did correctly talk about how, when we talk about regulating Facebook, there are some terrifying things we need to be thinking about with free speech. Right. Uh, but you also talked to like uh, you know the parents that had their um, you know their their children shot and murdered, and how they've yeah. had to move and how they're actually advocating very strong regulation you don't really voice an opinion there. So like, how do you feel? What would you do to solve this if you were in charge?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's everybody's question. And I think the, you know, the bummer of it is that I think that Facebook and Twitter and YouTube especially have created these incredibly efficient information systems. And I don't know that there is a good way to make sure that those information systems only spread reliable information. Like we see, you know, country after country struggling with. Facebook becoming like the primary means of spreading disinformation that ends in violence and, uh, you know, like, um, internet shutdowns being, being the solution that other countries propose, which is obviously not, not a good idea. Um, it's what they're doing in Sri Lanka right now, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Literally Sri Lanka just, even though there hadn't been mm-hmm. any, like, real serious spread of misinformation after the terrorist attack- attacks in Sri Lanka, they still decided to preemptively shut down the internet, which is terrifying. Like, that is wow. that is an authoritarian move. Um, so the thing that I really struggled with is the idea that, like, how do you actually do this without curtailing free speech? Mm-hmm. Um, and my answer was that I don't know that you can. What I want is to know that misinformation isn't going to knock us off balance the way that it does, because this doesn't happen in every place where people are trying to use social media to spread misinformation. Like we know, for example, ahead of the elections in Germany and in France, there were pretty serious disinformation efforts that didn't really work. Um, You know, like the Macron leaks are a good example that happened ahead of the elections in France. There was these partly real and partly fabricated leaks that were trying to embarrass and discredit Emmanuel Macron and put Marine Le Le Pen in power. And they were largely ignored. You know, the press didn't really cover them. The public didn't really get engaged. But for some reason in America, that's that's not what we do. So as much as I want to understand what the tech fix is, and I hope that there is one. Uh, I also would question why we are so particularly susceptible to this stuff in the first place.
1: Well, you do <laughs> you do talk about a major variable I had not thought about. And forgive me, I'm trying to remember the exact phrase you used for this, but it was like uh, basically conspiracy entrepreneurs. What was yeah. your exact phrase? It was great.
3: yeah, that's a that's a that's a term that has been used by other people before me. Conspiracy entrepreneur, conspiracy yeah. peddler, the people selling right. the stuff
1: and. And I do think that, you know, so many times I, my mind goes to let's expand civil penalties for people like Alec mm. Jones should absolutely have his day in court. And he has for what he's done to the parents of Sandy Hook. And I think, do you think like opening up more civil liability to people if they're actively harming people? Like that seems like a very logical solution to me.
3: I mean, it- the the civil laws for defamation and stuff already exist. To right. me, when we talk about that, it sounds like Donald Trump threatening to yeah. you know make libel laws stricter against journalists. Like I think that those penalties already exist, and for whatever reason, you know, folks hadn't sued Alex Jones in the past. I think maybe because the prospect was just exhausting. Yeah. You know, but like simply suing him for defamation is proving very effective, and it's not just him. Um, This is a much less covered suit, but one of those parents is also suing James Fetzer, who -hmm. is a minor league conspiracy peddler who's done the same stuff, though, who has terrorized Sandy Hook families. So, like, the penalties for things like defamation already exist, but it's obviously, I think, was a lot to ask these parents to you know, immediately put their minds towards that when they were grappling with, you know, the deaths of their children. Right. Definitely. So, yeah, I
1: can I can tell you this from GamerGate. Like, I yeah. certainly thought about suing Milo Yiannopoulos and a lot of the others that involved with this, with defaming me. And, you know, there was a lot of talk by women in the game industry. And the reason it didn't happen wasn't because we didn't think we could win. It was because we were so exhausted. I just couldn't do it. I had yeah. no mental energy at the time. Yeah. And I think if you're talking outside someone who's had their child killed, yeah, right? Like it's just, it's a very high burden there to ask of someone.
3: It is. I mean, but at the same time, you know, Lenny Posner, who uh, was the father of the youngest child who died at Sandy Hook, Noah is the most like outspoken about this. Lenny, of course, is the person who suggested to me that he wants to see greater regulation of the internet, which makes me uncomfortable. And he knows it makes me uncomfortable, but I also understand like why he's why he's proposing that. Right. Um, but he also points out that a lot of times he will send, you know, DMCA notices to the hosts of these sites that are using his photos, you know, like you, like he files just straight ahead copyright claims because they were using his photos of his son. And frequently he'll get either a form letter or no response, especially, um, you know, when these sites are hosted, not in the United States, he is pretty much out of luck. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, so I think some of it is that there there are some existing mechanisms here that could at least uh, sort of curtail the worst of it um, that haven't been sort of tried as much. I also constantly advocate for this, but I think it's really helpful to try to understand where these folks are actually making their money and figuring out what the pipelines are and making yeah. them public.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask about that because, you know, you talk about YouTube a lot in the book, which I think makes sense because... I think even more than, I mean, Facebook, I think is obviously number one, but I think at least in terms of the United States, in terms of really being able to kind of radicalize people and get people to believe, especially some of the the theories that on its face might seem more absurd. YouTube is like an amazing, you know, like K-hole of of just like, you know, you you start one video and then you're like 10 in. And and even if you are a, a, you know, a person who's going in with like sound mind, you're like. Oh, well, that, that could be kind of plausible, you know, after a certain period of time, but, and obviously, you know, until very recently, people have actively made money on those videos for YouTube. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, when we're talking about like, like highlighting how people are making money, I'm actually of the opinion, like, I'm not super comfortable with, with, I guess, um, uh, you know, censor, censorship and, 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 like destroying parts of, of the internet, uh, no matter how perfect the content might be, if it, actively breaks laws. That's one thing. But the other stuff I get pretty weird about. But I, I'm not opposed to, you know, um, letting advertisers of those platforms know and and kind of forcing YouTube and some of the other platforms to demonetize that content to de-incentivize maybe some of the more yeah. uh, ridiculous stuff. But I, I don't know your thoughts about that. What do you think about I mean, but in general, what, what is kind of your thought on on YouTube and its its role in a lot of this?
3: I mean, it makes total sense to me that people at least don't get to monetize it, right? Like, if you put up your videos, you put up your videos. I actually, while we were talking, I was just got curious because, you know, when you search for, for instance, Sandy Hook on YouTube, it seems to change every time. Um, Right now, I'm still getting a bunch of auto-suggestions that are conspiratorial, like um, Sandy Hook parents interview laughing, Sandy Hook. uh, When you search um, Sandy Hook hoax, it no longer auto-suggests, which is great. Um, and <laughs> now it brings up, uh, at the top of the page and it has done this for a while, it brings up an encyclopedia Britannica article, which I think is meant to, you know, point people to a more reliable source of information. But the fact that I'm still seeing these auto suggestions that are, um, fundamentally conspiracy theories is kind of disturbing, but yeah, like demonetizing seems to me like a really simple solution, you know? <laughs>
0: So you're a fan of demonetizing, but not necessarily de-platforming?
3: Yeah, though at the same time, I I cannot argue that de some individual people has been effective. Like look at Milo My, Yiannopoulos, great example. Yep. Like him not being on Twitter and not being on YouTube is, you know, or Alex Jones not having as many InfoWars channels or Gavin McGinnis not having Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all these things are, you know... -hmm. Fundamentally not a bad thing, even though all those people still very much have a presence on those platforms. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So uh one last question before we let you go. Uh I am a huge car fan and you starred (laughs) in a gelotnik video with Doug DeMuro, who's the biggest car guy in the world. (laughs) You starred in a video. Called uh how to drive a sports car and not look like an asshole. Oh, and I'm gosh, sorry, sorry to that. say I fell into every single category of, <laughs> of you course described. you did. <laughs> this is this is my question. It, the video labels you as Jezebel's El Camino expert. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta ask, what makes you an El Camino expert? I need to so, know this information. <laughs> So the day
3: that Jalopnik was shooting shooting that video, they just they needed another body, and I think they thought it would be funny
1: <laughs> Makes um, sense. to
3: include me because I, I do know how to drive, but I prefer not to. However, because <laughs> I am that's from better New than Mexico, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 from New Mexico. I grew up around really beautiful El Caminos. One of my neighbors had a black El Camino with silver detailing and like a pure white <laughs> interior, and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I walk past it every day you know, till I was 18. So I, I can't help it. I just really wanted El Camino. I sort of can't <laughs> let go of it. Um, so that's, they were, they were making fun of me.
1: <laughs> yeah, but some of the funniest parts of your book are about you at like white supremacist rallies, just getting along with them. And yes, then they, you know? they you like dropped it. Hey, I'm Jewish, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, like yeah. the awkward so I can see where that that ability to blend in with people, I see where that comes from. <laughs> I, you know? I,
2: I do actually have one final question. I'm sorry to, to, to do this. All right. Are there any conspiracy theories that you adhere to?
3: Yeah, I think oh. that aliens are real and that probably we don't know everything that the government knows about them. Cool. That seems reasonable to me. Same. What do you just How about you? Yeah.
1: I, I actually have, I have one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. It completely <laughs> slipped my mind. Um. So... You talk in this book a lot about the left and how we're not completely immune to this. So you talk, yeah. you point to some some stuff like anti vaxxer stuff. I want to tell you something I've seen repeatedly in running for office, and I'd love to get your take on this. Mm-hmm. So here in Massachusetts, you've got like the the institutional. Massachusetts dem party, right? Like the old boys club, like, you know, the, the politicians, the status quo, right? And then you've got a bunch of subgroups, one of which is Orma, uh, our revolution, Massachusetts, which is Bernie's group. And a comment I have heard from just over and over and over from that crowd is this sort of paranoia about if someone is a real leftist or not and they are they are so quick to like there's this this feeling almost that there are people pretending to be fake progressives to steal vote bernie's vote away from them Mm. and i'm curious if you have any thoughts about that because the only the only lens i can think about this through is maybe it's conspiracy theory ish i don't know
3: I mean, my first immediate thought is that we do know, right, that the DNC was not super interested in Bernie being the nominee to an extent that surprised even me. And so I think there is probably a sense among especially younger leftists that like they can't trust the sort of establishment to advocate for them. I also see a lot of fears of like generally infiltration, people not being who they seem among leftist groups. And I would argue, and I'm sorry, this sounds crazy, but it is a legacy of COINTELPRO. It's a legacy of the FBI and the CIA actually infiltrating these groups to cause divisions and to get people arrested. Yeah. So I think whether or not these folks realize that some of what they're talking about is tied to that, is tied to either a conscious or an unconscious sense that there are people around you who pretend to be your you know, your comrades in arms who are actually not, um, at the, at the same time I do, I know the level of paranoia you're talking about and the sort of suspicion and the sort of inability to work with people who are just even a little bit different from you ideologically. And that is a problem that we have on the left. And it's uh, not one that seems like it's getting any better.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's legit. Like, even yeah. here in Massachusetts, there was a picture that went viral in our state the other day of the state police. Like, there was a picture in the background. You could see them logged into Facebook uh, for leftist groups, like basically surveilling them. Oh uh, Michael God. Moore covered this in Fahrenheit nine 11, like, you know, cops that went undercover at peace groups. Right. So yeah, it's legit. It's just, uh, it's certainly like, I guess I'm saying it's, it's unhelpful to think this is just other, those other people have a problem with it. Like, yeah, this is, it's human nature. It's always going to be with us.
3: Yeah. I see a real eagerness among people to believe that, you know, everybody else is the crazy conspiracy theorist, but they're not. <laughs> Their right. are real, which is, you know, like, yeah, we, all, we all have a little bit to answer for.
1: All right, Anna, thank you for coming on. The book title is Republic of Lies. It's out now. You can buy it at bookstores or I got mine on Audible. So thanks for coming on.
3: Thank you guys for having me. I enjoyed it. A- this episode of Rocket
0: is also brought to you by Eero. With Eero, you can build a Wi-Fi system that is perfectly tailored for your home. Considering the high-bandwidth world we live in now, you need a distributed system in your home to make sure you get the best speeds available. And with Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. It all begins with the second-gen Eero device. It has three 5GHz radios, which allows for increased speed and range. And it sits flat on any surface and connects either over ethernet or wirelessly. Then you can easily expand the coverage throughout your whole home by adding in some Eero beacons. These are small devices that plug directly into your wall, allowing you to reach every corner of your home. And Eero is now introducing Eero Plus. This is designed to provide simple, reliable security to help defend all the devices in your home from malware, phishing, and unsuitable content. Eero Plus can automatically tag sites that contain violent, illegal, or adult content, so you'll have powerful parental controls at your fingertips. It includes ad blocking functionality to help improve load times for websites that are full of privacy-invading ad tracking. And it's also possible to have Eero Plus check the sites you visit against a database of millions of unknown threats to prevent you from visiting anything malicious. Eero Plus even includes subscriptions to 1Password for password management, Malwarebytes for antivirus solutions, and Encrypt.me. So if you never want to think about Wi-Fi again, get $100 off the Eero base unit and two beacons package and one year of Eero Plus. Just go to Eero.com slash rocket and at checkout use the promo code rocket. That's eerocom ocom slash rocket and the code rocket. Thank you, Eero, for sponsoring Rocket and Relay FM. Okay. And you know what? Game Boy, this is the realm of the olds. <laughs> oh, <All right. laughs> shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I hate you. I want to leave that in. I'm leaving it in. It's the Game Boy's 30th anniversary, everyone. Oh, my wow. God. Wow. How old were you guys when the game Boy came out?
1: I I'm guess I six. was 11.
0: Actually, I can six. I can I talk about something really quick that's not gameplay Please. related? <laughs> yes. So uh, I posted that Alienware video, that video where I'm playing with Marcus Scribner uh, on an Alienware laptop on Facebook, and somebody commented, being like, "His h- he says he gamed as a kid, but mentioned his first game was Destiny." Psh! And yeah. somebody replied, "Do you understand how linear time works?" <laughs> He's 19 years old. He was born in the year 2000 and Destiny came out in 2014. So this is just to say that our childhoods are all different and that's okay. And the Game Boy was my childhood. But perhaps I think it was
2: your teen years.
1: I mean, I don't know. I guess. No, I was 11 when it came out. So it's a little bit before then. Yeah.
2: I got mine when I was eight. So it's definitely my childhood, like completely. Like I, I would, cause I got it before I got my Super Nintendo and I consider my Super Nintendo, my childhood. Like I can I consider my Nintendo 64, my teen years. Like, I mean, I guess I was like technically 14 when I got my Nintendo 64, but like that was like the one that I, I, you know, think about, I don't know, like I. I think about being a teenager like 14, 15, 16, 17 and up, you know what I mean? Like yeah. i misestimated your age. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying like that 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 I mean, but the thing about the Game Boy is and this is why it's amazing, this is why I think it being 30 is so is so amazing is that it lasted for so long. So we, even so it it was 10 years before the color came out. So, you know, the first one comes out in 89. And the color comes out, I guess, like Christmas of 98, but it was really 99 when the color became like the thing to get. So you had a decade where the only update that you had in that console was to go to the, the Play It Loud color series that I always wanted, but didn't have because, you know, it's the exact same thing. And my parents were like, we're not going to buy you the same Game <laughs> Boy that just has a different color. Um, but, 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 but,
1: and you that's know, what set it all off for you, Kristina. That is that, that, that's what it all was.
2: But but then they came out with the Game Boy Pocket, which had like a higher um uh you know like a sharper screen, and it didn't have a backlight, but it was smaller and it took less you know fewer batteries. It took like two double-A um, batteries instead of the OG one, which I took which took four. Um and uh you know
1: um it's got a better D pad too. Like it's just a better experience. Yeah, overall. but but.
2: but 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 like it's it's still a black and white you know device like it's not green but it's it's black and white and so you know it's still basically the same thing but the color came out like basically a decade after the original and then really it wasn't until the micro the Game Boy Advance micro where you lost backward compatibility with those OG games yep um and and that was like two
1: thousand four.
2: So I mean, we're talking about like something that until the DS, like this, it lasted fifteen years, and and the, and the DS, first
1: DS will play Game Boy Advance games exactly. Like. Wow. I was going to say the
2: first DS really is, in my opinion, because I I I I went on a, a tweet storm about my uh, memories of the Game Boy, and I accidentally called it the Game Boy DS, and like oh. I realize that's wrong, but also it's not because if we're being completely honest, the first DS was absolutely a Game Boy, like yep. I it that's absolutely fair. was. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: that's what I use my DS for. It's actually one of the very best ways to play uh, old Game Boy Advance games. So, yeah, I still have enough. my SP.
2: I still have my SP, and I just need to get, like, a, a, a replacement lithium battery for it. But um, that was my favorite thing, maybe, ever. But, uh, um, so I got mine Christmas of 91, and I uh, my that was also the same year that the Game Gear came out. And I had, like, friends of my parents, they got their son's, Game Gears, and I got a Game Boy, and I, of course, was very jealous of the Game Gear because it was color and seemed so much better, and I convinced David, who was the older, smarter (gasps) of the two brothers, to trade me his Game Gear and games for my Game Boy and games, and we had a deal, and then our moms were like, no, you're not doing this, and I was very upset because in my mind, this was like, like, maybe, like may of 92 or something like i'm so i'm 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 nine and and i've i've made a very good deal um i've convinced him that tetris is way better than columns which is true and and all these other things and but the mom's like you know put put it snuff that out Fine. I think your mom In did retrospect- you a favor. I've no, never
1: like gone no. on a spree to get Game Gear games. Uh, no, this no is my ones. point. Yeah. No, this is
2: my point. Right? Is like okay. At the time, I was I was frustrated because I only had like Super Mario Land and Tetris and I think Dr. Mario, yep. and and the really good games hadn't come out yet. And then that that Christmas or birthday, one of them, I got Super Mario um, Land two six golden coins. And
3: that oh, was like so that's such so a good, good. game. Oh. The
2: graphics were good. It introduced us to Wario. It was like really great. Wait, Wario's first appearance was on the Game Boy. The Game Boy.
1: That sure is was accurate. Wow. Super wow.
2: Mario Land Two: Land of Six Golden Coins, and he's the villain. He's he's Mario's cousin, Wario, and he's this great villain. And the game, you know, the graphics were much more like Super Mario Brothers Three, but the gameplay was kind of similar to um, Super Mario World it's they had safe states it was great and i was suddenly i was like okay i'm down with this game boy thing (laughs) and and then and then and then um you know link's awakening came out and like all these other games and then i (gasps) oh and then i got a and then i got a super game boy after i got my super nintendo and the super game boy was so cool simone because not only could Mm -hmm. would it colorize your game boy (gasps) games and this was before the game boy color came out but it would colorize your game boy games you'd play it on your tv it was like you know this this thing that would Go into the Super Nintendo cartridge. You'd put the Game Boy cartridge in that. Some of the games were even optimized to have even more color. Some of them were just yep. colorized in a weird way. But here was yep. the best part: you the had Zelda, these borders.
1: Zelda? Oh, Oh. Well,
2: no, 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 no. You had okay. these borders, yep. and some of the games again were pre-programmed where they had they programmed the 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 you know Super Game Boy to have special you know um, uh, borders because the thing is is that the resolution of the Game Boy wouldn't fill your TV screen, so they put like a border behind it. To make it look good, kind of like what they do on the um uh, the Game Boy or the Nite- the NES Classic and stuff like that now, and so you could select what border you would want. Sometimes they'd be customized for the game itself, like Space Invaders had a really good one, and and um so did some of the others. But you, you also could have custom borders, like they had one that made that looked like a movie theater background, and then had like the Mario characters sitting in the front, which was really cute. But they had one that would let you design your own borders using like. Like, you could even connect the Mario Paint um, yep. mouse and keyboard, or not, yep. not keyboard, but the mouse to it, and you could design your own borders that you wanted, which were amazing. Wow. So I would spend hours, like, drawing in borders for my Game Boy games that I'm playing on my television set, and, like, that was 1994, and it felt like a freaking future, and it was amazing. And <laughs> anyway, long story short, I wound up working at the Electronics Boutique, which is now GameStop, as my first job in 99, and that was the year Pokemon Mania. And I got a a Game Boy Color. Then I am very upset that I didn't get the Pikachu edition. I really wanted it, but I wasn't able to. Even though I think the Pokemon Yellow is a scam, but like
1: that. Oh, okay, but, I have to. Okay, well, I don't well, agree. I don't well, agree. But okay, in
2: retrospect, I don't. But at the time, I felt like it was really like
1: oh, yeah. I mean, that was when having two different versions of it was really pushing it. You're like, what the frick? I know. Nintendo? And then you come
2: up with a third one, and you're trying to explain to parents. I'm trying to explain to parents. They're like he already has red and blue. Should I get yellow? And I'm like, it's the same game, but there's po- there's Pikachu. But like, you know, mm. it's hard to explain. Like, there aren't any new monsters. Like, yeah. you know, anyway. Anyway, I, long story short, like, I'm so glad my mom wouldn't let <laughs> me trade too. my Game Boy for a yeah? Game Gear because I still have my original Game Boy games. Like, I don't have the original Game Boy anymore, but I have those original games. And I still have the, the uh, Advanced SP and I still have... Probably the color someplace and like ugh. I want to hear about you you guys' Game Boy Memories.
1: Okay. I so it's really it's hard to explain to people they're younger today, but there was a real social penalty for being <laughs> a gamer in the 80s. There there just was. It was going to a comic book store, at least where I grew up, it was deemed a very negative thing. And what I appreciate about the Game Boy is the first truly social gaming experience because even to this day, you get two original Game Boys and you link them together with a a link cable. The
2: link cable, yeah. And you
1: play Tetris. It is as good as it gets.
2: Absolutely. Or Dr. Mario, yep.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. And I want all of our listeners to know If you go out and get a OG Game Boy, they're not very expensive, but the hard part is the backlights on them. It's really, really hard to, especially if you've gotten older and your eyes are worse, like it's not a good experience. So you can go on Etsy and buy remade, uh, like Game Boy, uh, games, uh, like Game Boys and they redo the screen to make them backlit. It is sharp. It is crisp. It is amazing. I'll uh, put a link in the show notes to where I bought mine, but it's it's just a really, really great experience. Uh, you can also do this with the Game Boy Advance SP, and you can play, like, God, just generations of games. Game Boy, Game Boy Color. Game Boy Advance is basically remixes of all the best Super Nintendo games. Yep, it sure and is. And all the best remixes of the Mario games that have ever been made. The definitive version of Mario, in my opinion, Mario 2, my favorite game where you can play as Princess mm. Peach, is Super Mario Advance. They went through it. They remastered all the they graphics. Sure did. It, it's closer to the Super Nintendo, Super Mario All-Stars, uh, but they added a ton of gameplay and state save to it, and it is a really magical experience. So. Yeah,
2: same same for Mario 3, which is my favorite Mario game. The the version of Mario 3 that they have on the um, uh, Game Boy Advance is really good.
1: Yeah, it's excellent. Um,
2: uh, yeah, um, and um, and Simone, as young as you are, <laughs> this was your childhood too, so what are your Game Boy memories? Being jealous of everyone who had one,
0: and I've probably told this story before, but paying Fernando, uh, who I won't dox... <laughs> two dollars and quarters to rent his game boy for two weeks because i wanted to play pokemon and i was not allowed to have a game boy uh but i was an enterprising young child so i i found life um found a way i love it so did you did you use um um did you ever get a game boy like did they ever finally let you have pokemon never owned one not not in my life but just, like, going over to people's houses and being like, oh, you have one? Ha <laughs> ha. Let's play Pokemon. Why don't you let me play Pokemon? Ha ha ha. This is right. a social experience. Except it's just no. me being like, please, let me play a game.
2: No, I love it. I love it. Let me ask you this, because I'm always curious about this. Because I was always, like, the, the Link Cable that Brie mentioned to me is one of those, again, like the Game Boy. The Game Boy had this whole second life, right? Like, it came out. Then immediately there was the Links, there was the Game Gear, there was uh, the the, the Turbo Graphics Express that were all more powerful, um, and and those all failed and died. And the Game Boy kept on going, and they released the smaller, you know, pocket, and and it was selling well. But it's not like the games were really going in new directions. You know, it's still the same older mm-hmm. technology. Then Pokemon comes out, and oh. it changes everything. And what was interesting to me about that is that A, it completely birthed new life into, you know, the the platform that I would I would argue continues today into the Switch, right? Like we, 20 years later, like we see the like the the impact of that. But the Game Link cable was one of those things that you would that came in the box that you or you would maybe it came in the box, I don't remember. I remember having it, you know, that you would play with Dr. Mario or with Tetris but there weren't a lot of two player games that used it honestly like they 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 would sell it as the TED experience but they really really kind of wasn't and then what was so genius about pokemon was the fact that you'd have to use this cable to then you know switch monsters mm-hmm. with people you know to 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 to, to battle yeah. and and to be able to get all the all all the pokemon um would you and your would your friends use that like did ever did everybody connect their Not cables that together cuz i know i I don't, I don't think I even knew about the link cable
0: until I was much older. I mean, it never, it was never really part of the culture at my like tiny private school in Washington, you know, where, we, where I wasn't allowed to have Heelys or draw <laughs> desk cats
2: or play my Game Boy. It's why I am the way that I am. Uh-huh. No, I was just curious because when the kids would come into EB and play games, and you know what would happen during the summers is parents would drop them off, thinking that like the video game store was like the babysitter, uh-huh. and we're like, and we're like, yo, like, so funny. Your kid has been <laughs> here for four hours. You know,
0: it's honestly, not we okay. didn't even have a in my little town. We didn't even have a store like that that sold technology. Wow, oh so that's that's where I'm coming from with this. But I, I'm super excited because I feel like it, the Game Boy did do a lot to make a culture of like young people growing up playing games and being social Completely. And, and loving carrying games in their pockets in a way that has become the dominant culture oh, yeah. now with the switch and with cell phones
2: i mean i won't i won't lie like i i was super cool in third grade because i had a game boy and i could play tetris like in class
0: oh i believe that absolutely can i ask you what you're doing now this week
1: Yes. Bef- before we do that, can I just say one or two more things about the Game Boy? Of course and I'll you shut may.
0: up. You may.
1: So um, we're going to leave this in the show notes. I've spent so much time and money on retro Game Boy stuff lately. Um, there is a shop we're going to link to in the show notes. It's on Etsy, and it has the literally the most definitive, expert, brightest colors, like the best experience for some really important classic games you could play. Uh, one of them is Final Fantasy, the original ones for Super Nintendo, Final Fantasy 4 mm-hmm. and Final Fantasy 6. They have the definitive versions of this on, uh, uh, on Game Boy Advance, so you can play these in your pocket, as well as uh, Final Fantasy 5, which almost no one in America has played. It's where the job system came out. This shop actually goes through and gets all the tracks from the Super Nintendo and has modified the, the Game Boy Advance ROM to put the correct tracks in there. So oh, hell yeah. This, it, it color corrects the the Super Mario Advance games. There's even a version of uh, the original Pokemon games that's been rewritten. So it's Stars Team Rocket, and I've played <gasps> through it and is amazing. So... I'm gonna leave a link to that in the show notes. Also, if you're interested in buying a Game Boy Advance, uh, don't make the mistake that I did. You're gonna want one with the uh, it's called the AP uh, enhanced, ap one enhanced screen, if I remember correctly. The, the base one is just unplayable in a modern context. Get something modded, it's got a bright backlight and literally you throw it in your purse, Throw it in your bag and you've got all the best games ever made with you. It is freaking awesome.
2: I love it. I love it. And I'm really hoping that Nintendo will come out with like, go back to their roots of like the pocket watch thing and come out with like a, a, a Game Boy uh, uh, Mini or, or something, you know? That would be amazing.
1: All right. I'll shut up now and we can end the no, show. No, don't sometime. shut up. Tell me what you're doing <laughs> this week, Bree. What am I doing this week? I am raising late. Guys, I've got to tell you. The the FEC stuff came out. We were only, if I remember correctly, thirty thousand short of what Stephen Lynch raised for Q one. Heck and yeah! And I raised more money from individual donors, many of which are Rocket listeners. So that's awesome. You. That's you so good. You guys are awesome. We have worked our butts off with of fundraising, <laughs> and it's going to be even better for the next quarter. So I am so excited. I'm so proud we are, of you. You've been working we are so hard. Kicking. We I really, honestly, Simone, I've sat in the same chair for like five, six, seven hours. You got to stand up calling people. So oh, I'm sorry,
0: you got to make those phone calls standing. That's not good to for do your call back. time.
1: Well, there it is. I do have a standing desk. Okay, good. So okay, that's Chris, what I'm up to. We're raising money.
2: Christina, what about you? So I'm in Stockholm right now. I'm in Sweden, and it is uh, what time is it? It is 4:13 in the morning oh my as God. I record this. <laughs> um, and I've been a little bit jet lagged, so it's fine. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be kind of going around. Uh, I'm gonna be doing um, this stuff, Microsoft Ignite the tour, and um, I'm excited about that. And trying to kind of, I hope to see the city a little bit. Um, I had to leave Grant on our anniversary, so no. I have to come back. So I have to go back and make sure I have a uh, plenty of Volvo. Stuff because I am in the land of Volvo and Volvo is his favorite brand. So um I'm excited uh, to uh, find him some good stuff and to see Europe. So, or Yay. not Europe, but like Scandinavia, Continue I mean, I'm, seeing I'm Europe, Europe, obviously. which you have Continue seen a lot love over the last I was going to say, I was like, no, oh yeah, you guys, congrats to me. I just made diamond medallion status <laughs> on Delta. <laughs> <laughs> it's April 23rd and Jeez. I'm diamond medallion for the year. No, oh. Christina. Congrats. I'm
1: sorry.
0: Like, <laughs> I'm like, proud of you. Gaming those uh, points. Get it, girl. Go yeah. on a nice, like, relaxing trip with Grant after this is over. Um, what am I doing? I am the boss. I'm the boss now.
1: You're the video boss.
0: I'm the video boss. Uh, my boss had her baby last week, y'all. Oh. Literally. And uh, so we were working on this project together. We were all um. Three of us were going out to LA. My boss was staying, obviously, because she's nine months pregnant, and we had planned to have a meeting on Sunday night. And sitting on the plane on the tarmac in the morning, I got a text that said, "I'm in labor. I'll be <laughs> MIA. Good luck." <laughs> uh, and then we touched down in LA, and she had a baby. <laughs> it was out. <laughs> so I am video boss now, uh, which is
1: pretty. You are the cool. video boss.
0: Yeah, temporary 12 mm-hmm. weeks to do a really good job and um, not run anything into the ground. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm just about everything. Can't believe it's Mortal Kombat season as I'm beginning, but will be the first video Mortal of the series Kombat. that I just... Yeah. <laughs> That's how it is pronounced, actually. I'm sorry for mispronouncing.
1: This is when Wario became like the lead of his own series in Super Mario yes. It's a lot like
0: that. It's actually it's like more like Wario. Luigi's Mansion.
1: yeah. yeah that's exactly Uh, no
2: no no you're wario you're not luigi's mansion i I love i love luigi more than anything but that's not a good game wario land is a good game
0: (laughs) (laughs) none of this is a compliment to me um but yeah so right now we have is
2: is the best character shut up
0: okay thank you i I gracefully accept your compliment
1: you're wario and you're gonna like it Uh, (laughs) oh yeah yeah
0: that we've been working on are coming out now i had an interview with marcus scribner who plays andre jr on blackish that's up now on youtube.com slash polygon it was really fun we played uh jump force and he kicked my butt and we talked about anime and video games um, and we have another one coming out on monday so you'll, you can watch that at youtube.com slash polygon which is also where you can find me online what about you Christina? where can we find you
2: You can find me at film underscore girl on the uh, Twitters and the Instagrams uh, where I've already done my hotel room, uh, uh, I guess, uh, tour, um, and, uh, Sadly, my room is nice, but it is not the St. Regis. Um, <laughs> Nothing ever will be. Nothing ever will be. But you can You're find it. You're not going to ph- be able to stay in normal hotels after this, career. No, She's I know ruined. that the St. Regis was amazing. No, so I'm, I'm uh, yeah, so you can uh, check me out on Twitter, Instagram. And uh, you can find the videos that I do at work, although they've been fewer just because I've been on the road all the time, at uh, Microsoft.com slash YouTube. At YouTube.com slash Microsoft Developer. This is what happens when, like, the the... Tiredness catches up.
1: Yeah, we got to get you
0: to bed. Bree, where are you online?
1: <laughs> you can find me at Brianna Wu on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, also, if you want what we're doing for the rest of this month is we are trying to make up Lynch's pack gap. So he took a ton of corporate money packs uh so we're trying to make up that gap so we actually raised more money than him so uh we're raising fifteen thousand dollars by the end of the uh, month if you want to contribute to that you can go to support thank
0: you and if you want to support rocket you can review it on the podcast app of your choice and tell your friends all about it thank you so much everyone for listening this episode of rockets is terminated 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 Yeah.